All right, and we are back with another episode of the Cousin Soccer Podcast. Um, after a little bit of a break, I am Clark. Hector. And yeah, like Clark said, we took a little bit of a break, but now that soccer's getting back into the swing of things, um, we're getting ready to start rolling out content for you guys on a regular basis again. Yep, so uh, MLS is coming back. I guess it was moved back today to April 17th. Um, so that'll be exciting to finally get to see the guy, this new team back on the field then. But um, in between then, we'll actually have some CCL stuff, which, you know, that starts the week of April 6th. We don't know who we play quite yet. We may. But we also know uh, that we're going to be in the U.S. Open Cup as well, I think. I would hope so. I wouldn't see why not. But we also got, what, a new manager, a bunch of new players. Uh, you know, Gabriel Heinz, a new manager. We finally found out why that search was such a long process. Which, if you haven't, Hector, um, I don't know if you've read the Dirty South soccer piece on, like, the whole stuff that went through that, but pretty good read. I'll have to check that out, yeah, because I haven't, but, I mean, it was definitely a, a wait. I remember for the longest time we kept speculating about who it might be, uh, just really looking for any sort of signal or rumor. And for the longest time, you know, they were kind of just rotating through names, and then eventually we finally made a hire. And to be honest, I, um, I'm excited for it. Everything that I've read about his the way he, his philosophies and how he's led his previous clubs, it makes me think that it could be a return to what, you know, people came to love Atlanta United for that fast paced attack, uh, a lot of pressure on the ball, guys flying all over the field. So, you know, it's going to be a matter of the personnel that he has actually being able to fit that if he wants to execute it well. But as far as it, you know, looking at it now before the season, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it can turn out. Yeah, I am too. Um, I know he is, he was a great player, you know, played for Manchester United. He played in La Liga. You know, he's won the Champions League, won league titles. I, he's really done it all, you know, at a very high level. So I think, one, his players will respect him from that point of view. And two, it seems like everyone that's played for him, like, would run through a brick wall for him. So that's, that's you know, always good. And Apparently, he really likes playing with young players, so maybe he'll unlock some of these young guys we have on the team that kind of just need a little bit of guidance, like yeah, Marco, maybe? That, that's something that, that's really been missing um, since Tatav left, because, you know, it, it's been covered enough how, how bad the relationship between the players and um, Frank DeBoer's coaching staff turned out. And then after that, with Glass, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it kind of just felt like it was floating along because everyone knew that someone else was going to be coming into that role. Um, so I think in in terms of you know having the guys buy in, that probably hurt that a little bit. Uh, not in the big picture. I think they're going to be fine long term. Uh, but now it's nice, you know, you have a permanent face, and like you said, you got a guy who his resume as a player um, just automatically is going to pull respect from guys because he's played in the highest levels and he's won at the highest levels and so far as a coach you know he's still working his way up the ladder but all signs seem to point 
to him being a guy who, you know, could make that sort of push as well, at, um, you know, maybe jump to, to Europe at some point, just like a player would, all that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he works with the young guys. Like you said, Barco, um, all the, you know, really all the young young players that they've brought in uh, in the last few seasons and some of the guys coming in through the second squad. There are a lot of guys who just in the limited time that we've seen them or in Barco's case, an extended amount of time. A lot of guys who I feel like we're constantly talking about how often they show their talent and they seem to do, you know, like 75% of it correctly. And then they're just missing that last push. So hopefully hindsight kind of like, I don't know, can just get that last piece of the puzzle in there and really unlock some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, things are definitely looking up. Um, We also, this offseason got Paul McDonough back from Inter Miami. He signed with them when they, I guess, you know, they became a team, a club. And he was kind of one of the guys that helped bring in a lot of these, you know, faces that we kind of know and love, Miggy, Tito. Um, So hopefully he can continue, you know, doing good work for us. Um, And then we also got Kevin Kratz coming back as an academy coach, which I still remember those two free kicks. Those were maybe that was the sickest thing I've ever seen. Just that guy. was one of the we watched. I I think we were watching that game together at yeah, I think Tyler's we were. house or something like that. And, uh, he scored the first one, and then you know, everyone went crazy. And little did we know there was going to be another one in a few minutes. And mm-hmm. He he always seemed like a guy that everyone on the team liked. Um, and he's he's experienced, so him. Being around the young guys, I think, is definitely a good hire. Oh, for sure. I mean, having someone that at least has been around the game for quite a bit of time and has at least played at a pretty high level, you know, it's good to be able to give your experience out and, like, teach other young players, you know, show them good habits, things like that. Um, for sure. And, you know, experience is always a good thing. Uh Speaking of experience, we got Robinson getting some national U.S. men's national team experience, and he uh, scores on his debut. So, I mean, you already so, know. Yeah, I was it his first touch of the ball too. I can't remember if that was the case or not, but I mean, uh, regardless, <laughs> awesome debut. George Bello, I think, got some minutes in that game as well. Yeah, they both got called up, which is huge. You know, Bello's still nineteen. It was against Trinidad and. Tobago I almost said potatoes again um but you know that it was a friendly it, but still regardless you know getting on that team is kind of important to see that where they could potentially go in the future at a high level playing with guys that you don't really know seeing how you mesh with them quickly learn like their tendencies that's kind of impressive stuff and I'm no stats guy but Robinson scoring on his debut means he scores 100% of the games he starts for the U.S. national That's team. That's true. So, you mean, know, the math checks out right there. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to support that statement. I mean, he, he's pretty much a must-start at this point. <laughs> hey, if the, the more the more international guys at Lane, I know we, we get frustrated sometimes when these guys go on international duty and they end up missing an MLS game or two. But in the big picture, all it's going to do is provide awesome experience for them. And then for Atlanta as a club, it's just going to bring more attention more guys are going to look to it as a club that they can come to and really help develop their careers. So, you know, hopefully these guys keep getting those calls. Hopefully they keep giving 
the U.S. national team a reason for them to give them opportunities, not just in these, you know, friendlies that they've got, but in the qualifiers that are coming up and all that. So, yeah, something to keep your eye on. Oh, yeah. And another thing to keep your eye on would be our new kits. Um, I I'd know rather. A lot, of, a lot of people aren't too happy about them. I think they're obviously not nearly as good as our first kit or even the second one. But, I mean, we'll see the moment it's on one of the players and they score a hat trick anyways, you have to buy it. So, is the rule. I mean, it's the rule. So, and I, I think my, my biggest complaint, you know, is that it just, it looks, and I know we've, everyone has made this comment, but it just looks like a training kit. It looks like something they'd go out there and wear while they warmed up. And I, it just feels kind of lifeless. So I'm hoping the third kit, which, cause yeah, I don't know if people knew this, but Atlanta United's the only MLS club that's getting a third kit this year. Um, cause I guess they reached some sort of Jersey sale number that Adidas targets. Um, but I'm hoping that one, they just go crazy with it to kind of make up for the kind of boring home kit. Well, and in defense of why people are so upset, like you go and see that in Philly, that alternate kit, their away kit they have, that's so cool. That's so original. You know, the Thunderbolts, the blue with the yellow, that's like, that's original cool stuff. I think it will look cool on the field. We'll see with this one. I mean, originally I didn't like the, I guess, old, the non five stripes kit we had, uh, when everything was like black with the really thin stripes. But then once I watched them on the field playing with it, I was like, okay, you know, it looks good enough. I like it. And then it grew on me. So I, we'll see. You don't really, I never, you never know. I mean, I, I'll probably still buy it anyways on accident. An accident. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we have actually a bunch of new players coming in. Um, we have three homegrown players. Uh, we got Machop Troll, our Pokemon, who apparently is a big dude. I think he's like six feet tall, or, or like over six feet tall, like almost 180 pounds or something. Like he's a supposed to be a pretty big kid. Yeah, judging, I mean, I've only seen pictures of him. He does seem like he's a big guy, which uh, could be useful, you know, bodying guys up on defense and then set pieces. Uh, I don't know how much run he's going to get, but one, the name alone makes you root for him. Mm -hmm. And two, you just, you got another young player to mix into the, into that kind of slowly, but surely developing uh pool of youth talent that Atlanta's getting. Yeah. And then we uh, also brought in well, Efrain Morales. He got his homegrown uh, contract as well, which, you know, those homegrown players are kind of an important part of, you know, the whole academy thing because you get 100% of their transfer fee if they leave and they don't count against your cap and quite a bit of stuff. So, you know, that's always good. He's pretty highly sought um, or people think he's supposed to be a pretty good prospect. And then uh, Jackson Conway is the other guy who I think he signed his professional contract or just a homegrown contract, but he was lighting it up for Atlanta United too. And he's supposed yeah. to be. I, I hope he gets some minutes, whether it's in um, the the U the Open Cup, whether it's in some of the weaker MLS matches. He's a guy who, you know, while I'm not ready 
to trust him to get regular minutes. I, he's a guy that I want to see competing in other MLS match, like against MLS level talent, because every opportunity that he's had so far, he's he's delivered. Even that that um, Champions League game that everyone forgot about because it was after the season mm-hmm. against America. He came on, I believe, as a sub around like the 80th minute or so, maybe 75th, something like that, um, and scored within 10 minutes against one of the biggest clubs, arguably the biggest club in North America uh, in terms of popularity and number of fans, all that. But, you know, he, he, every chance he's gotten at every level, he seems to just be willing to grab that challenge and just, boom, destroy it. So while I have zero expectations of him... <laughs> even sneaking up on Joseph for that starting striker spot. He's definitely a guy that you want to get some good minutes for just to see what you kind of have waiting in case you have another injury um, in case Joseph one day decides, you know what? I want to take another attempt at Europe, whatever it is. Um, you can't really afford to, to sit on these types of players for too long. No, definitely not. And I think another good thing would be him practicing with the first team, you know, seeing how these guys work on a daily basis, maybe pick up a few things from, you know, one of our new signings, Lissandra Lopez or Kubo, um, you know, Joseph as well. These guys all can teach, you know, you can show stuff, maybe not necessarily teaching them, but just pick up on stuff. So playing with better players is always a good thing. Definitely. That's something that is really underrated. Uh, A lot of times, I know I've been in this spot too with the young guys. You want to see them on the field and you, you sometimes think that's really their only exposure to that level of, of talent. But like you said, the reality is they're training with these other high level players every day and that's just going to make them better. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, so we can move on to some of the like signings we got. So we re-signed Kubo, which I thought was, we thought it was our last time we'd saw, seen him in a Jersey. We didn't think he, quite did enough to get another spot but at the same time we didn't really know how much turnover was going to be on this team so for him coming back I'm pretty excited I thought obviously he didn't have the best season but consistently he was in good spaces he was creating chances for people and I think he also agreed to work with the academy as well so you know there's obviously some some stuff going on there but that leaves us with the option of a potential, you know, two strikers up top, because he's done that before and, you know, gives us a little more flexibility if we, if someone goes down again. And you, it, it just helps to have, uh, you know, he's a guy who didn't do too much last season after he came in, but you can tell overall that he's just, a, he's a positive player to have involved with your team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 glad they brought him back, especially knowing that he will be working with the young guys in in some capacity. Uh, we'll see. You know, he he I'm sure he's going to get some opportunities because he did seem to find himself in good spots, just wasn't the greatest at at delivering them. Um, but yeah, we'll see we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, we also brought in another striker of Lissandro Lopez, who he took up a supplemental roster spot, getting like the veteran minimum or something. But he's, you know, an older player. But I think, you know, his presence on this team is going to be pretty big because you're talking about, I, th- I think our average age is under 25 now, which like our oldest players are literally Brad Guzan, 
like Joseph is like up there, but he's not old, you know, like Joseph's like 27 or sort of 26 or something like that. And he's one of your oldest players. You're going to need some real veteran presence on this team to kind of just keep people in check. You know, you lost the season before uh, Michael Parkhurst. You lost this season, Jeff Lorenowitz. He retired. Um, you still have Brad Guzan, but you know, as a goalie, you can really only influence the defense most part of the game. If you're able, you know, in the middle of the field with the players, I think you can interact with them a lot more, just kind of get people's headspace right while the game is going on. So, yeah. That, that's something that we saw, or I guess didn't, I don't know how to put it exactly, but I definitely underestimated just how much missing some of those veterans was going to actually hurt Atlanta. Um, I, I especially since it coincided with a clear lack of leadership and a clear, uh, clear distrust of the coaching staff. I think when you have that kind of exodus of, of players, if you have a great administration, and a great coaching staff, it's something that you can kind of get through just because those guys are going to help find that next group of leaders and, you know, build them up. But since we didn't have that either, it all it just spiraled out of control. And I think that's one of the reasons why so often Atlanta just seemed lifeless. Um, they'd ha- they'd go on a run of like 20, 30 minutes where they looked like maybe not one of the best clubs in MLS, but you're like, okay, this is a playoff team. They should be winning matches. Uh, but all too often, it was just flat. You'd look around the field and it was kind of like no one knew who to turn to to kind of kick things into gear. Um, so I think Atlanta kind of focusing you you like you you've touched on it multiple times now we they're making a lot of these hires on guys who might not be the best contributors on the field but you're not expecting them to be but you're also having them factor in with that work with the young guys so hopefully that turns out for the best I think it's a fantastic idea uh we'll see over the course of the season if there is some sort of effect there Yeah I I completely agree I think I think it's a good hire or signing, I guess, regardless of how much playing time he gets. Because, like we said, practice, again, a lot of stuff goes into that. You know, there's all that, all the stuff that goes on in practice, on the field, in training, you know, builds the team up. And if everyone can kind of just get the right idea, get in that same headspace, you can see a team that's mediocre perform really well if everyone believes, you know, buys into it. Um we have another new signing of Santiago Sosa. I don't think it's been announced yet by the club, but he literally said like in an interview the other day that he's leaving River Platte for uh, Atlanta United. Like that's, those were, is a direct quote from him. Other, um, unless he was lying, which I'd hope not, because... <laughs> that pretty... would be a really interesting <laughs> move to try to pull. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, he seems to be like a young, you know, he's obviously doesn't seem to be, he is a young defensive midfielder, but he looks that pretty good passing, good vision. And he likes to tackle, you know, he's a good slide tackler. And, you know, uh, if we talk about our other new signing, Franco Abara with him, that could be a very, very good midfield. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Cause that trio of Moreno, Franco, Ibarra, and Sosa could really be one of the better midfields in the MLS. Definitely. I think it would easily be um, Atlanta's best midfield since the championship winning team. Like 
no doubt about it. Uh, they haven't had such a – I mean, Nagby leaving really left a hole in there. But on top of that, just in terms of all-around talent, it felt like for the longest time between Rometty, Heinemann, um, who else? Uh, who, uh, what's his you know, name? Adams. Bo Adams. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys who got who got minutes in those roles, it kind of felt like you were constantly trying to piece together uh, a lot of guys who were certainly capped in terms of talent, and a lot of them kind of had deficiencies where you'd pair them with someone that could do another job well. Uh, but with the, these guys that Atlanta hopefully is bringing in, it seems like all signs seem to be pointing to that. You're suddenly talking about very good all-around players who excel at certain things, and having that kind of core behind Joseph, behind Barco, whoever's up top, it's only going to help create offense, which is something that we were desperately missing last season. Oh, yeah. And I think the addition of Franco Abara is going to be huge. So he's, I guess, a box-to-box midfielder. So he's 19 and broke into one of the best Argentinian sides as a 19-year-old, pretty yeah, much playing a very impressive. similar role as kind of Nagby did for that team. Um, so, you know, he's going to win back possession and kind of try to move the ball quickly. And I, you know, I think with Moreno's work rate along with his, I think that the, these three guys can quickly, should quickly at least be able to move the ball, put pressure on the other team to get the ball back. Just, you know, it make the game exciting for us to watch. And yeah, he, he's supposedly very highly rated and fans of his team were pretty upset that he was leaving. Which is usually a good sign for for your club if you're bringing in a player that gets that sort of reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. I'm. I'm excited for him. He probably, he could potentially be one of our like you know the the key signing for this off season. But right, you know, I've been wrong before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As um, have I. We'll see. And then uh, one one interesting thing, just real quick about Moreno, since I mentioned him, is. You know, he's kind of on the cusp of being a designated player salary-wise and a TAM player. So if they, I guess, find another player to bring in that's designated player level, they can lower his, I guess, salary or, you know, buy him down and bring in another guy, which could also drastically change this team once again. So that's that's also some other interesting thing that could happen from, I guess, this offseason right that's something that uh you know it's hard to mls rules alone make it kind of difficult to have any idea of how much money needs to move in what direction to get that kind of deal facilitated uh but all kind of everyone seems to be in agreement that it's possible in terms of you know guys who are more bought in and have more information on it uh so, if, you know, if, if it is possible, it would shock me if Atlanta didn't take advantage of that because that, that opportunity to kind of do what they did in their championship season where you're essentially rostering four designated players in terms of talent, um, it puts you at such a better you, – you have such a competitive edge when you're able to pull something like that off. So if, if, it's, in the, if it's in the cards, I'm 100% sure Atlanta is going to take advantage of it. It's just a matter of finding the right guy that fits into that slot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's there were rumors of another. I might have even been another River Plot player, but I 
you can't just keep taking from the same group of guys. Uh, oh yeah, we got a goalie, Rocco, or I think this is how you say his name, Rocco Rios Novo. So he was loaned to United with an option to buy him. The key part of it is he's a U.S. citizen, so there's no international spot being taken up for him. Um, I think the one thing I noticed, I mentioned it to you, is that he's not the tallest goalkeeper. Uh, there's a picture of him standing next to Messi, who's like 5'6", and he's only like a few inches taller than him. He's only 18, but like there's room to grow, hopefully. I mean, obviously size doesn't mean everything, but I don't think being a short goalkeeper is, you know, beneficial for that position <laughs> to be bigger. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I be honest, I haven't watched any, any tape of his, mm -hmm. um, but the way people talk about him, you know, they have a lot of high hopes for him as almost as if he's could be the future um, keeper for the Argentina national team. Uh, so if that's the case, he must be one of those guys who just has those freakishly good instincts as a keeper always, you know, positioning and, and reaction time, all that. And with Brad Guzan kind of getting up there in age and, you know, being a pretty heavy salary on the books, I think it, it's a smart idea to bring someone like that. And especially uh, with how they structured it, like you said, it's a loan with an option to buy. Usually when you include that, you're, it's in your, you know, you're, you're wanting to buy this guy, but you also give yourself some protection where, if he arrives and it's just clear that for some reason it's not going to work out, then they have a way to back out of it. Uh, but I, I do have a feeling that he is going to be the long-term keeper for Atlanta um, within the, you know, if it, it, it won't happen this season. I think Guzan still has enough to lead the club one more time. Uh, but whether it's Guzan's retirement or simply Atlanta moving on to something else, I think within, you know, by 2022 or so, he could be an impactful player for them. Yeah. I think so, too. I mean, Guzan obviously had some really good games last year and some really not-so-good games, but was that the defense not helping him out? Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Um, and, you know, if a young guy comes in, shows that he can be half as, you know, efficient, right, as a veteran, that's you're like, oh, okay, maybe we put him in a few games and see what he can do. So you never know. Um, you said something that I think is really important uh, in terms of was it Guzan or was it the defense? I think that's something that we kind of have to take to every player across the board, especially guys who struggled. You know, mm -hmm. how much of this was a, was because of their own failures and how much of it was because of the all-around situation. Now, that's not to write off or, or make excuses for anyone because there was plenty of guys who could have done better even given what we had on our hands. But it will be nice, you know, fingers crossed that we get to the starting point and everyone's healthy. It'll be nice to kind of have a few games where we can judge a few players. You know, I'm thinking of guys like you said, Guzan, um, Heinemann, uh, Barco even. Barco It'll be sure. nice to be able to judge them kind of just in a more conducive situation for good football. Um, you know, injuries are going to happen. Guys are going to overperform and underperform. That's part of it. But I think it's safe to say between the between COVID, between the injuries and the coaching staff issues last year, it's just it's hard to draw permanent conclu uh, conclusions from all of that. Oh, 100 um, percent. It's 
we had some like interesting players specifically like Jake Mulraney. He was pretty interesting to watch. John Gallagher, interesting to watch. Um, Aaron Lennon, not Aaron Lennon. Is that his name? Why am I Brooks? Brooks Lennon. I'm You're thinking, thinking of English the... yeah, right sorry. back, Aaron Lennon. Um, yeah, Brooks Lennon. I thought he was a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, and then we had some other guys who weren't like Rometty. He didn't have the best season, but we also got to see a little bit of Eric Lopez in that CCL game, which he looked like he could be a good addition to this team. Um, I'm actually kind of excited to see what he can do because. He was also another young player that we didn't get to see at all for some weird I, reason. The roster spot wasn't available. I don't really know what was going. Yeah, on that there. was a that was a whole mess, and it never really got cleared up at any point. Uh, I think, like everyone else, Atlanta just kind of tried to tread water last season by by the summer. So it, it is going to be really exciting to see him because he was super highly touted. Um, and now he's going to get a chance to play with the with the number ones, you know, with the with the big team. So we'll see. Yeah, and then we had one potential signing that kind of fell through. I guess that happened today, where Hector Martinez, he was a center back, um, and you know, I think he would have probably come in as one of our best or best center back, like right out twenty two. He's like one of in every stat that you, you know, metric that you would look how good a center back was, he was like, you know, second or third or something in the league he was in. But uh, River Platt today decided to give him a pay raise when he came back. So he decided to, I guess, sign with them or stick with yeah. that. that. That's a tough situation because, you know, one, you're, you're limited by what you can offer these guys in, in the MLS. So when you do kind of go, oh, you know, you, you try to do what you can in that, in that area and you still get turned down, it kind of sucks, but it's, it's part of the part of reality right now. The MLS is still a growing league and you're competing with one of the two biggest teams in South America right now for these players. So despite Atlanta not being able to finalize that deal and bring them in, the fact that they're involved in those types of potential deals says a lot about the status of the club right now. Well, I think especially the fact that he even was considering it, too, is pretty big deal. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. And then, oh, another, speaking of deals that fell through, Moise Caicedo, the fact we were even involved as a player in that until kind of, not the end, but like probably 75% of the way through that entire ordeal with him prior to him going to Brighton was, that was pretty cool. Like, this is a very, very, very highly thought of player that's playing now in the Premier League or will be as an 18-year-old, that's that's pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's really I cool. hope that doesn't get swept under the rug because, like you said, that's a guy who the biggest clubs in the world, at least, were aware and tracking him to some degree. Um, so for Atlanta to even have their name be taken seriously there, again, says a lot about just how well the club is doing in terms of um, – building their their stature in the world and more than anything showing these young guys that they can come here have a few good seasons and then take that that jump to the next big league mm -hmm. and who knows i don't think he'll get loaned back i think they had a plan to loan him back to an mls club but regardless like you said the fact that people are even considering our team is 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 good for the future of the club um but 
let's we can talk about some of the players that were on the way out. Um, we can start with John Gallagher. I guess he was acquired by Austin, the new expansion club. Uh, you know, for I think it was 225k in allocation money, which is, I think, significantly more than they were expecting. So you got to kind of cash in on him. I think he had a great season last year, and he totally deserves to play somewhere and show his worth. So good for him. You know, it sucks to see him go, but yeah. From the Atlanta side, I, I mean, like you said, he he did really well in the minutes that he got last season, especially kind of the second half of the MLS return once mm-hmm. he started getting regular regular time. Um, but you know, in I think in Atlanta's best case scenario, he's like the fourth or fifth guy off the bench, if that. Um, and when you're getting that kind of money offered in in return for him, I think it is just in your best interest to go ahead and spell because. That that allocation money is going to be more used to you than Gallagher sitting on your bench, you know, barely getting any minutes. So, and and for like you said, for him, he deserves to. After what he showed us, he deserves a chance to kind of become a regular somewhere. So I'm glad he's getting that opportunity too. Yeah, it's it's just the way it's business, right? That's what they would say. Um, Adam John, another <laughs> guy, that it's just business. I think towards the end of. Uh, last season you know you saw his worth on the team he had quite ridiculously unrealistic expectations kind of shoved on him um and was roasted quite a bit you know i've roasted him a little bit here and there you saw how his work rate and saw how he could be useful he wasn't going to score a million goals or assist but you know his hold up play his target man style of you know and fed the ball. I think, you know, he did an admirable, admirable job. Sorry, I don't, could not say that word. Yeah, I mean, he's like you said, I think the expectations that people had were a little too little too high. Um, and I don't know what his contract looked like specifically, but another guy who I think it just made sense to, to part way, especially if, if you know, you're assuming Joseph will be playing for most of the season. Um, you can't have too many too many uh, guys with with higher than they might deserve salaries on the roster in that in that case at that position. Well, especially if you're bringing back Kubo, who was probably just as effective. It's like, you know, you're weighing that out. I would definitely go with Kubo. He's younger. I don't think by two. I mean, like, he's younger than Adam, and he. I think fits the style of the team. Adam John was kind of like um, a Kenwin Jonesy type. You know what I mean? Like it just like it didn't really fit into the team. I thought he was a valuable asset, but maybe didn't. You know, not a long term option. You know, it was kind of like a very specific scenario you would put him in, right? So if you're going to be chucking balls down the field, then yeah, just like long balling it into the box, he's pretty good for that but other than that i don't know it's it is what it is (laughs) um another another one of our favorites uh actually we have two two more exits from the club uh one of my favorites franco escobar i think he's just a fan favorite in general he is loaned out to you know the new old boys his old club on loan um with an option to purchase you know, maybe I start watching uh watching them play. You know, I always, I, I'm upset about it because I think you know 
it's yet another piece of the core group that won us the league, you know, won the MLS Cup. Gone, but we've talked about it many times. The MLS really uh, doesn't allow too much flexibility in, you know, your roster and stuff. So you kind of have to turn over every few years and to and to be, you know, competitive constantly. Definitely. It sucks because, like you said, Franco was 100% a fan favorite. He he was a guy who, in the biggest moment, always seemed to take it up another level. That's why he had the nickname Playoff Franco. Um, I think he, he had, what, like three goals in the playoffs? It was at least two, I think three, um, in just a handful of games. So I'm going to miss him a lot. He was one of the most exciting, one of the few exciting spots we had on the team last year, whether it was for... Uh, good moments or him getting getting a little too heated but yeah i think he's a guy who's going to be remembered fondly um if there's ever a return for some reason or atlanta has a chance to to play one of his clubs in the future and he comes back to atlanta i'm sure he's going to get a fantastic welcome oh for sure yeah i mean maybe i buy his jersey i don't know um <laughs> yeah and then eric rometty uh so he has a loan option to Independente and Independente with them to buy him for 1 million. Um, that's pretty big. I don't know. I forget how much we purchased him for, but 1 million for Eric Rometty seems like a pretty good deal at the end of his loan. But I was seeing that San Jose was inquiring about loaning him this season, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't don't know how he would fit into that system because, I mean, they're a very, 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 you know, pressing, pressing athletic team that constantly going for the ball. Don't know right. if that suits his style much. Yeah, when I saw that rumor, I thought the same thing. It seems like Rometty playing on a team like that would be gassed by about 60th or 70th. Man, that's not a – that's not even a criticism. That's just, you know, that's not the type of player that he is. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless, I think Atlanta, looking back at his time here, 100% worth the money. He brought a lot of attitude in the midfield, which you, which you wanted. Um, high effort guy constantly was out there, whether, you know, whether he had a good game or a bad game, you weren't worried about the effort level that Remedy was providing. Um, so another, you know, he's another guy who I think the fans overall are, are should be very happy with, with what he did here. Um, and, you know, wish him luck wherever he ends up. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's sad, but, you know, like we said, there's only a few teams that have stayed relevant year in and year out. And I think it's literally, actually, there's like one now, but I guess, no, there's two. Toronto FC and Seattle. Um, Toronto obviously didn't have the best season last year, but Seattle makes it into the playoffs and is one of the last teams like every single year for the past like six to eight years. And, you know, they don't have, they have team friendly contracts. They turn people over. They have young guys that come in and do just enough. So, you know, they're kind of the model you want to, or team you want to model yourself after if you're going to try to stay relevant every single year. Yeah. And, and like we said, it's, it's a product of the, the MLS rules. When you get to this point at the end of these contracts, these guys that performed well for you naturally are going to deserve a raise. 
and it's just a lot in you know in team building it makes a lot more sense to go with the cheaper young guy um that overpay for these older veterans with more miles on their legs so you know in a perfect world or in a perfect league you'd be able to just extend these guys at a fair rate and keep your team going for a few years longer but you know that's not the that's not the case here so i think atlanta is making good decisions in terms of parting with these guys at the right time doesn't mean it doesn't suck to see because like we said we love franco uh, but as long as they're filling in these roles with young talented players who are going to you know at least climb to the same level as franco and remedy then i gotta say they're doing a good job oh for sure i just remembered we signed mikey ambrose as well Oh, the return of Mikey Ambrose. Yeah, I completely had forgot about that. He was the first signing. It was like the day it opened. He was like, hey, guys, I'm back in Atlanta. Because so, I remember they, they posted that clip of when he pulled off that dribbling move in the midfield, and everyone was like, please never try that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so sick, though. Yeah, that, that Last was... person on the field that I would have expected it from. <laughs> it was so cool. It was the most unexpected thing I've ever seen live in person, and... It was 100% worth it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's really too much more. I mean, if you want to talk about maybe some of the guys we currently have, you know, I'm expecting big things from Jurgen Dom this year, getting a full season under his belt. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because I think towards the end of the season, he started to seem to get fit and kind of figure out the league. I hope he just shoots more because that, that was my only complaint from the end of last season. I think um, hopefully as we transition into uh, the spring and the summer and the vaccine rollout and all that stuff, hopefully we can start moving into a, if not post-COVID, at least less worries with that. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can underestimate like or understate how much that affected things last season between guys that got sick and just all the weirdness that came with the adjustments you had to make to deal with it now a lot of that is still going to exist obviously you want to be as careful as possible but i think guys are just more used to it now um so it's going to make it a little bit easier to handle game to game but yeah i'm i'm pretty excited to see how the team looks there the the signings that they're making like i said at the beginning seem to point like a return to the type of football that we like the type of football that got everyone so bought into Atlanta United. Now, this is not Tata Martinez uh, is Atlanta United, so we have no idea how they're actually going to look on the field in terms of style, but it does seem like we are going to go back to that high-energy football to a certain extent. Um, and just real quick, the Koga Cap Champions League actually just did their draw. Oh, nice. So Atlanta in the first matchup drew a club uh, Alacuelense from Costa Rica. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't believe any specific legs are confirmed yet, so I don't know if they're going to be opening in Costa Rica or Atlanta. Um, but this is a club from what, I'm, from what I've read. Hasn't been in the CCL for about six years. They're not a bad team, but they're not, you know, one of the high... You, the biggest thing for, for any club that, that was able to do it was dodging Leon from Mexico because um, they, they got dropped into Pool B. So 
it was possible to draw a Liga MX club round one. Luckily, that's not the case. Um, they haven't published that full-on bracket, so I don't know who would come after that. But yeah, for now, for Atlanta United's first matchup, they'll be they'll be traveling to Costa Rica. Um, so far, Atlanta's been able to get through the first round in every Champions League that they've participated in. They haven't made it past the second one. Granted, they've faced Monterey, who won it that season, and then Club America, who I believe made it to the final. I don't remember who Dignas played in the final, but regardless, it was another big club. Like Atlanta has had a pretty, pretty rough set of matchups in the second round. We'll see if that's the case again once they publish that full bracket. But that first that first matchup, you know, I I gotta assume Atlanta's gonna be able to take care of business. Especially with a healthy Joseph who's ready to come back and show that, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it that he's still healthy can play at a high level and I think an angry Joseph can is usually a pretty good Joseph so maybe if you know people start doubting him or something he'll come in score a hat trick off the bat and you got to buy that jersey immediately you know I mean I am I'm ready to buy if (laughs) if Joseph forces me to get it I'm all in simple as that I mean yeah I mean you don't you literally don't have a choice I think uh, I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic for this season. We got, you know, we'll we'll get to see Barco maybe with a coach that will help him out. We'll get to see you know Eric Lopez, Joseph back. It looks a lot more promising than where we were at the beginning of last year. Even though I don't know, last year we ended on like a interesting note. I meant like uh, sorry, pre-COVID season what was that 2019 i don't remember anymore the last yeah i my my sense of like calendar is just destroyed now anyways when frank DeBoer's first after frank DeBoer's first season the team looked to be in an interesting place because you know pity all of that stuff this is a, a completely fresh start new coach got players he specifically wanted so it's just excited i'm excited because you know this is I guess his vision of the team rather than being given some players and, you know, kind of the hodgepodge of players that you want or didn't want. So it's, Definitely. It's an exciting time. Um, but yeah, if I, I, I have nothing else if, unless you do. Uh, no. Yeah. That's, I think that's about it. Just hype to, to have this back. I know we're going to, be talking about some international like premier soccer soon as well. Um, we got a busy, busy schedule coming up now with, you know, MLS returning and then in Europe, Champions League, Europa, FA Cup, all that stuff firing at the same time. So it's going to be a fun, fun next few months. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Well, if you liked it, you can always rate us on whatever podcast service you use or follow us at t cousins sp um i guess we'll start posting more on there and potentially see if you guys have any questions or not that's cool if you don't um but okay yeah thanks for listening and see you next time